Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a Spurs fan. Hello, I'm Jason. I'm an Arsenal fan. And uh, as always, a lot has happened since we last spoke. Uh, we are now on to, I think, our fifth Spurs manager of the Cannon and Cockrell <laughs> era. Nuno is out. Conte is in. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of thoughts, but Jason, I'm interested, first of all, to hear what you and your fellow Arsenal fans make of this are you are you looking over and thinking Spurs what a mess and this is all going to end in tears or are you starting to get a little bit nervous that we might be contenders again I have a bit of both I have, I have a bit of everything I mean my my initial reaction I was saying off air was there is not a chance if it didn't happen in the summer why would it happen now and I was saying to my friends you know, there's not a chance. Like, be realistic. You've just sat Nuno. You're in the Conference League. You're having a terrible season. Your star, your star man doesn't want to be there. You know, it's all going wrong. And then suddenly he's announced. And I'm thinking, whoa, hold on a sec. This is ambition. This is what I've been saying from the outside about Spurs for such a long time is that, you know, if you want to compete with the best and progress, you need to go a step above of what you've got. It doesn't always, it can always be incremental. You know, I think anyone would have been better than Nuno, to be honest, in hindsight. But this is another level. Um, in terms of the why for me, this is the big question I have. Why suddenly now? Why not the summer? You know, what's changed between that? And I don't believe, I just don't believe the quotes today about you know, that emotional attachment, because it sounded like it was pretty much he wasn't being given the money or given the setup and control he wanted. So if that's changed, I'm damn well scared. Because if Spurs are going to go and spend 200 million in January and go and sign a few star players, I'm not sure where they come from, then, then yeah, there'll be a force to be reckoned with if, if Conte gets his hand on that squad. But I guess my big question you and it, it's a lot of I have four I have I have one key core question that I love that I planned but I'm going to save it because I think uh, oh. I think I think it would, it would detract from from the the kind of uh, initial stages of the chat but I have I have four questions you might want to get a pen okay <laughs> have you got a pen 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 in hand all right why now and not summer and that, I mean these some of these might be rhetorical questions and then these three kind of linked. Is it too late to save Spurs? This season, I mean. So, because of the results, following your great start, results-wise, not performance-wise, um, and also, you know, the form of some of your players as well, um, the fact that we're, you know, through the season, you know, what is it? Is it a quarter through the season already, probably? Um, and in that case, is he set up to fail? You know, with an 18-month contract, um, already behind, is he set up to fail? Are there are there other excuses now? I suppose um, already the, the classic Spurs. Well, he hasn't had a whole season, and then he'll go into next season. Then we'll go wrong, and then we sacked. Um, my final question. I, I don't know whether to use it now, but I think I, I'll give you. A, we might be able to speak about it later, but it's what are your expectations now? Because with Nuno, I mean, I think we were speaking, I can't remember what your, your thing was. I think you were gunning for top four, but probably more realistic was top six. Always want a trophy. You know, you're in the course of the League Cup, which is a good position to be in, albeit a tough draw. 
But yeah, what are your expectations now that have splashed the cash on a proper manager? Um, you know, do you expect it to go horribly wrong? And for Jose Mark too, do you think he'll reinvigorate kind of lost players, bring Harry Kane back on form, sign a few star players um, in January? Or will it be a bit of both? Because I can't see it being the, uh, the parallel in North London, Arteta, Project Youth. Um, I don't know if, Arte- if Conte's really been doing that before. And I think just on one of your points before, I, I passed the baton, I've seen Arsenal fans, Le Grove, my, my long-lost <laughs> Arsenal blogger friend, um, wrote an article, I haven't finished it yet, and I will pass it on to you. But he was he was kind of saying about Conte when he went to these old other teams and won, he had the team. It was already ready for him on paper. And he was given those resources in terms of brilliant directors of football, brilliant infrastructures, um, and a baseline to perform. And obviously, and the context as well around him was good. So Juve had got rid of Allegri and they were flailing and for his inter role. Um, and you know the context now is that United, Chelsea, City, and Liverpool. I mean, United, you could argue not right now, but I, I believe in the medium term they will get there. Um, the top four's a sharp shop. So where does he go from there? So yeah, I've, I've fired a lot of you, and a lot of it probably overlaps as well with what you want to say. But I thought I frame it with these questions because for me. It's a lot. He's got a lot of pressure, but I think he'll he'll come out of it with a big paycheck and his reputation intact. Because I think from the outside, Spurs is a lost cause. I know that sounds harsh. Um, so maybe for him, he thinks, well, I'm down. To, uh, you know, if I do it right, I'm a hero. If I do it wrong, wasn't expected anyway. So yeah, passing the baton on to you. Okay, so in t- taking the questions one at a time. So in terms of why now, from from both. Our perspective and Conte's perspective, I think everything comes down to that Man United game. Um, there were jokes in the build-up about it being El Sakiko, and it does feel like now it was a real sliding doors moment. You know, if we'd won 3-0, would we be talking about Conte joining United right now? Yeah. I don't know, because it seems like the, the rumours were that United actually weren't as keen on Conte as Conte was on them. And I wonder whether for him, he's thinking, do you know what? United aren't going to come for me. Uh, PSG is sticking by Poch for now. If I want to get back into football, then maybe this is the opportunity that that I'll take. You know, that United game, we lost it. And so we were the, the people looking for a manager again. And he thought, OK, fine, I'll take it. There's there's no better offer coming round. And maybe he just wanted to get back into football, wanted to get back to London. He's got a friend in the boardroom with Paratici, someone he's worked with before at Juventus. So there's that appeal there. Um and obviously, from Tottenham's perspective, I mean, I was at that United game and it was the most toxic atmosphere I've ever witnessed. And I mean, I contributed to it. I was one of the people booing the, the Mora Bergbrand substitution. I was shouting some things at Harry Kane and Giovanni <laughs> Celso in particular, which I'm, I'm not particularly proud of. Um, and it was just, so, you know, all, it, there was no way back for Nuno after that. And I think that it, it wasn't just the anger at that performance, which was one of the worst Spurs performances I've ever seen. But it felt like it was all the anger from the past two years kind of coming to the fore. You know, the, the sacking of Pochettino, the whole Mourinho thing, the Super League, everything. 
all exploded and, and you could feel the anger in the air. And I think the board and Levy and Paratici just felt like they needed to do something drastic and dramatic to get the fans back on side. So I think from, from Spurs' perspective, it's obvious to see why they would maybe change their tune in terms of what they were offering Conte in the summer versus now. And for Conte, I think the way that match went, it became clear. And even before that match, as I said, it was clear the United job wasn't going to become available. And so maybe he thought, OK, fine, I'll, I'll take this job. So I think in terms of the why, it all boils down to that United game uh, for both parties. In terms of whether it's too late to save our season, I think that's why the board acted now, because top four is still within reach. We are five points off top four at the moment, but it's clear that United are vulnerable. Um, Leicester are being uh, very inconsistent. I'm sure we'll get onto it later, but obviously Arsenal beat Leicester um, not long after Leicester had beat United. So, you know, West Ham obviously are doing well, but I think there's still question marks about whether they'll be able to sustain that over the course of the season, particularly if they continue to do well in the Europa League. So I think there is that feeling that actually top four is maybe more attainable than they thought. And that if they didn't act now, then it would be too late. I think they think, you know, let's get Conte in before United change their mind. Let's get him in while we've still got a chance to go for that fourth place. Because I agree, uh, City, Chelsea, Liverpool look like they're in a league of their own. But I think that fourth spot is available because United do look weak. And so I think that's why they've acted now. And I, and I don't think it's too late. And I, I think we have a much better chance now of, of top four than we did before, because simply Conte is one of the four best managers, not just in the Premier League, but in the world. So purely on that basis, you'd say we've got a much better chance now than we did under Nuno. And in terms of this kind of leads on now to expectations. I, I think we've got a very good chance now of finishing in the top four. Although, like you said, you know, Conte apparently is making a big exception in coming to Spurs now because usually for him, he's a big um, stickler on having a pre-season at a club and he, he won't have that this time. So will it maybe take a bit of time for him to get his ideas across, to to coach the players into his system? I mean, let's not forget at Chelsea, the season he won the title, they didn't actually get off to the best start. They lost that game to Arsenal 3-0. And it was during that game he did the switch to three at the back. And then they went on that run where they won 13 games in a row. And that was what won them the title. But maybe he won't have quite that same amount of time um, this season, particularly with the, the Conference League games on Thursdays. So I think top four has to be the aim. And when you've got a manager as good as Conte and players like Kane and Son, Lloris, etc., I certainly think that has to be the aim, whether or not we'll achieve it. Let's see. But I think, you know, you talked about excuses. I think there's a quote from Conte that's gone round, done the rounds on Twitter where he says about, you know, losers make excuses, you know, winners find a way. And I think he certainly won't be making any excuses. People might make excuses for him, but I think he will believe that he can get this team back into the top four. And I think he'll believe that he can win a trophy. Like you said, win the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. We were already one of the favourites for the Conference League, although we, we're struggling in the group stage. Uh, the FA Cup still to come. Top four on a trophy is, I think, for as long as we've spoke, has always been the kind of Spurs aim going into every season. I think Conte gives us a chance of that purely because he is, on paper, the best manager Spurs have appointed in my time uh, supporting the club. I mean, Mourinho obviously had the, the history, but he was on a downwards trajectory when we appointed him. Conte is at the peak of his powers. He's literally fresh off a title with, with Inter. You know, this is the equivalent of hiring Mourinho 
back in 2007 rather than hiring Mourinho in 2019. So certainly I think the expectations will be high. I think he's still got a big a big gap to bridge from where Spurs are now to the, the rest of the top four. And it might take him time to do that. Um, but I think certainly, you know, overnight, he makes us a more appealing prospect for potential signings, the, the opportunity to go and play for Conte. Uh, and I think overnight, he makes us you know, more serious contenders for that top four spot than than we would have been. So, yeah, I don't think it's too late to finish top four. And I think he can do it. But we'll see what happens, you know, just because... I think objectively he is one of the best managers in the world, but that doesn't mean he'll necessarily be a good fit for Spurs. And I think when we talked about it over the summer, obviously we had all the obvious doubts about how well him and Levy would get on. I think Paratici will be key there in terms of mediating that and how well the squad reacts to his methods. And I think now this is really make or break, dare I say it, all or nothing for the squad and for the club. Because if Conte can't win at Spurs, then these players have no one else left to blame. You know, they they got Pochettino sacked, they got Mourinho sacked, they got Nuno sacked. I think if this fails, and you kind of alluded to this, no one's going to blame Conte. The the finger we pointed squarely at the players and at Daniel Levy and, and at Tottenham. And I think Conte probably knows that as well. Like you said, he probably thinks, you know what, Spurs is a challenge, but if I can win something with them, my reputation will will skyrocket even further. And if it doesn't work out, well, it's Tottenham and everybody will just say, oh, well, you know, Classic Tottenham, the only club Conte, you know, we were the only club Mourinho didn't win a trophy at since Porto. And, you know, I'd be like, you know, every you're not a real Spurs fan unless you're thinking about the many ways in which this could go wrong and which we could break Conte. Um, But it could be, like you said, that that ruthless next step we needed to to take. I think either way, it's not going to be boring, but I think either way, good or bad it's not going to last particularly long either. I don't think he's been at a club. I think three years is the longest he's been at a club. It's an 18-month contract, I think an option for an extra year. Um, so I think it could be boom or bust, but I think if it goes right, then it it could be very exciting indeed. And now I think it's the perfect time to bring out the Kid Killer question based on everything you've said. Let's fast forward a few weeks and... United don't get a result out of this Champions League game tonight. They lose the City badly. You know, they stumble to a couple of more bad losses and they're really looking like they're not winning that title or even challenging for it. And they decide to part ways with Oligon and Solskjaer. And a similar trajectory happens in Paris with PSG and Mauricio Pochettino loses his job and United go for him. Would you be jealous? Of United? Um, I had a feeling this would be the question. And I'll be honest, this is my worst nightmare out of this. That we, you know, at some point, obviously, you know, nobody thinks Conte is going to be a long-term option at Spurs. And that by the time we're done with him, Pochettino will be elsewhere. And most crushingly at Man United. Um, You know, in the summer, it did look like briefly the choice for us would be between Pochettino and Conte. And despite everything I've just said about Conte and about, you know, what everyone said about him, serial winner, one of the best managers in the world, potentially exactly what we need to kind of give the whole club a kick up the backside. Pochettino's Pochettino. And there, there's just that emotional connection there, which is never going to go whatever happens with Conte. You know, Conte could win the Premier League and I'd still have a huge soft spot for Pochettino and want him to come back one day. And I think the dream is probably that 
Poch does go the distance at PSG and that we maybe do get 18 months to, you know, or two years, however long out of Conte, he gets us back into the Champions League, maybe wins as a trophy and as a trophy drought. He goes and then Pochettino comes back to start the new cycle, to start the next project. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, if, if United got Pochettino, I would be jealous and I would be worried because I'd think that Pochettino is a much more long-term option than Conte is. Um, but at the same time, kind of flipping it round, if we'd beat United 3-0 the other day and United in that had now gone and hired Conte, part of me would be thinking, oh, you know, we missed a trick there. We could have had him in the summer. And I'd be wondering, oh, would I rather have lost that United game to have got Conte than won it and, and still had Nuno and see Conte go to United? So, you know, you can always look at the hypotheticals. Um, but yeah, I'm not, whereas previously I was hoping PSG would be mad and get rid of Pochettino so we could come back to Spurs. I'm now very much hoping that, that Poch keeps on winning at PSG so that uh, he's out of United's grasp and still achievable for us once we're done with Conte. But I, I fear that those timelines aren't going to align. And I'm, I'm hoping that United will just continue to be blinded by sentiment with Solskjaer and stick by him, even if they get pummeled by Man City. That's a, that's a good, good, honest answer, because I asked another anonymous Spurs fan earlier, and I got a, not at all, not jealous, Conte's a winner, better manager, and I thought, do me a favour. <laughs> well, um, the, the thing is, like, 16-17, when uh, Conte won the league with Chelsea, we finished second that season. I think we were seven points behind Chelsea. Obviously, they beat us in the FA Cup semi-final as well. And I know it sounds mad to say, given that they were the team who won the league, but I genuinely think we were better than Chelsea that season. I mean, we beat them 2-0 at White Hart Lane. I think we were unlucky to lose to them in that FA Cup semi-final. I know it was 4-2 and everyone uh, laughed about Genus afterwards trying to claim we were the better team. But we were a match for that Chelsea team under Pochettino. And he did it with, you know, without the same uh, level of resources that that Conte had. Um so I do think that that Poch has it in him to to match Conte, um, but I, yeah, um, we'll see I have happens. one more thing on that actually. Um, when Pochettino came, he had a good time at Southampton. Been getting some plaudits for style. There were links to the United job originally. Actually, there were rumours that Sir Alex Ferguson was a big fan of his, and. It kind of came out of nowhere. You probably thought, eh, another run in the mill. And then he took you to a, another stratosphere in terms of context for Spurs. Um, and all the other moves you've made probably around that haven't had that kind of strategic feel to it, that we're bringing someone in who's young, exciting, and can nurture a squad. I think Nuno a couple of years ago might have had that. I think at this time, you know, it's... It, it's undiscussable. I don't even know why you hired him in the first place. It's, it, I think you just wanted a manager in place for the, for the beginning of the season. But again, playing devil's advocate and, and almost forgetting Conte or after Conte if Pochettino is not available, do you not think that kind of style of, you know, getting in a... I mean, we know we've discussed him a couple of times, but but a Graham Potter, a... Um, I'm trying to think who's even a young man. Eddie Howe, um, who else is there? Ralph Hasenhutl, I suppose, um, or an ex-player like Ryan Mason or a, or another legend, I don't know, giving Ledley King a chance. 
um, the, the Arteta way. Um, was that a strategy that you thought could have worked this time and, and could have brought the fans on side? Do you think you really needed this? I mean, this is a massive boost for the fans. You know, all those the, the reactions you said to, um, that were there the other day at, um, at the Spurs Stadium, I'm sure you know everyone would swap those if they'd heard that um, Conte was coming today. Yeah, I mean, if I think if we'd gone down the kind of long-term project route properly in the summer and, you know, hired Graham Potter, let's say, back in June and said, right, this is a long-term thing, new cycle, uh, I think fans would have understood that and got behind it. But I think the problem was we we did neither one thing nor the other with Nuno. It was, you know, he wasn't a manager of the calibre of Conte who you thought was going to lead us to success in, in the short term, but neither was he really the long-term project option either. He was only on a two-year contract. And so it was kind of, you got the, the, the worst of both worlds in a way. And I think the situation where we are now, bringing in a manager during the season, um, I think you need someone with, prob- you do probably need, it's better to get a Conte type who can provide that instant uh, respect and authority in the dressing room, or at least you'd hope so, um, and provide that instant lift rather than maybe a younger, less experienced manager who is maybe going to need a lot more time to to win the players over. And I think, obviously, there's a lot of talk in football at the moment about long-term projects and plans and philosophies and sustainability. And obviously, all of that is important. Um, and you don't want Conte to leave the club in a mess with an ageing, expensive squad. But at the same time, you know, Kane and Son are, I think, what, 28, 29 you know, they're not. I know. I know. Son just signed a new contract, but you know, Kane in particular, he's not going to stick around for a manager whose um, best work isn't going to come for another three or four years. Mm-hmm. You know, they they don't care about the 24, 2025 season. They want to win something now, and I think it makes sense. You've got Kane and Son probably at their peak ages, probably their last chance to to be part of a winning team with Spurs again. Lloris coming to the last years of his contract. If you want to win something with those players, now is the time you need to do it. And so I think given Conte is available and was interested, it makes sense to have that, I think, one last roll of the dice to try and get the most out of the players you've got right now while you can. And then once Conte is gone, if whether it's worked or whether it hasn't worked, then you can start to rebuild. You know, like I said, I don't think Conte is going to be here that long, 18 months in the grand scheme of things, you know, famous last words, but you'd hope he can't do too much damage for a long term in that time. I mean, maybe we'll regret giving Conte and Paratici the keys to Tottenham. But, you know, part of me is just like, it feels like as long as I've been supporting Spurs, it's been a long term project. It's never been about winning in the here and now. It's always been, oh, you know, next year, oh, in a few years time, oh, we're building towards this. And part of me is just a bit like, do you know what? I just, you know, I know I'm young, but even still, it's like, the, you know, the, the world's burning, you know, climate change, you know, <laughs> might all be underwater in 2050. Who knows how much, you know, we just had a pandemic. Who knows how much longer we're going to get to enjoy this football stuff. I just want to see my team win and, and have fun and enjoy it. And, and you know, why? You know, at least Conte, like I said, good or bad, it's going to be dramatic. It's going to be entertaining uh, off, off the pitch as well as on. You know, let's, you know, why not just give it a go? You know, at the end of the day, it's, a football club you play football matches you win or you lose why not just go for it and what happens happens you know what do I care what the average age of the squad is look at Crystal Palace people said they were a mess it was going to take them years to rebuild yet in one summer they seem to completely clear out all the old guys bring in a bunch of new players and and they're firing so 
who's to say that you need to take four or five years to do these things? You know, things can change very quickly in football. So, you know, why not? Let's go for it. It's all about Italy right now. You know, it, Italy won the Euros. They won Eurovision. 100 <laughs> meter sprint at the Olympics. You know, why not? Let's go all out Italian and, and see what happens. I think you just wanted to get COP26 hashtag in your uh, in the tweet for the in the, the tweet get that get that engagement. What what PR you are? What PR mind you have? Um, I want to have one exception to the rule that you just said about you know bringing in those young managers midway through the season and getting people on board because that's what Mikel Arteta did. He came in mid-season in Jan, won us an FA Cup, and uh, we did look back, but now we look to not be looking back. So. Uh, there are always exceptions, but you'll never know now. And uh, I wish you the best of luck, but hope we absolutely destroy you in the uh, return game at uh, the Tottenham Stadium next calendar year. Well, speaking of Arteta, I must say when I, I, I didn't see the game live, but when I checked the score afterwards and saw that Arsenal had beat Leicester 2-0 away, um, I was a little bit a, bit a bit concerned. I thought, oh, no. Don't tell me Arsenal are actually starting to get their act together now. And when I saw Aaron Ramsdale's performance, I thought <laughs> I'm going to have to apologise for the things I said on this podcast about him. Uh, I'm guessing, Jason, you must be delighted with Arsenal's current form. Yeah, and you know what? I think you were quite fair. I think you you didn't go too overboard with the Ramsdale criticism. But uh, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back here because I've, I've called it for a long time about the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal saying it's a problem. And what do you know? We buy a signed new keeper. He has blinders and we're, we're rocketing up the table. So um, before anything, I need to see Mind the Gap because I haven't been able to say that for a long time. And I probably won't be after a few weeks because we have tough fixtures coming up. But, you know, again, when, when Arsenal lost their last game, I've, it's been so long I've forgotten when the last game we lost is. How lovely. Um, it was, no, we won the Tottenham game. We've won a lot of games. It was that City game. We've been unbeaten since then. It was after that Spurs game. We thought, wow, okay, um, we're back. But, you know, the peak Wenger Arsenal. And then we drew 0-0 to Brighton. And everyone went, oh, it's same old Arsenal. But I was saying I wasn't a bad result. These are the results that, that are okay. You know, I think these are tough, tricky results. And if you lose them, that's a different story. But if you can grind out something, that's okay. That Palace game very shortly after, after the international break, sorry, the draw was, I think there was a lot of emotion in it with Vieira and it was frustrating because I think for Arteta, the one game you want to win is the one against a manager who everyone would want instead of you. And he wouldn't dispute that, I think. Everyone would have rather the ex-player managing Arsenal was an absolute hero legend. Um, But again, we got a result through a last-minute equaliser and these things happen but the momentum we've got of being unbeaten of not conceding too many goals and then winning against Villa and Leicester back to back you know those are big teams in terms of you know the rest of the pack you know these are teams that people thought were going to compete for that fourth spot and fifth and sixth and and, you know really be be challenging where Arsenal and Tottenham usually are and you know, we didn't look flawless, but we looked like we controlled the games more and we looked like we had a plan again. And people looked vibrant. Aubameyang looks like he's woken up again. Lacazette has got a new role in the team with his pressing and unfortunately it looks like we're going to lose him in the end of the summer or even in January, but at least we might be able to get something for his contract. You know, I, I was at the Leeds game, the cup game, 
And even though it was our reserve team, there was kind of a, a, a resolute attitude about the team. We didn't play particularly well. I mean, Leeds were appalling. I mean, I, I'm a fan of Leeds. You know, I, I studied in, in the city of Leeds for a bit and, um, you know, very passionate fans, lovely history, great managers, some good players. And then they got a good result against Norwich, but they did bad in the League Cup. It was pretty much their best team. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they're in a real scrap this year, based on what, what they did in terms of lack of proper investment, in my opinion, in the summer. But, oh, I think that was the Leeds gods just, uh, <laughs> just dropped dropped my beautiful folder and notes. Don't worry, folder, it's okay. Sorry. It's very, it's very dramatic in the Arsenal household at the moment. Um, you never know whether you're coming or going. So... I, I thought it was impressive that League Cup win, and, and you know Eddie and Ketty have scored a fantastic goal, and it's nice to have these guys in backup and reserve. But going back to kind of the main story for me is that we're unbeaten in something like seven. You know we're in the League Cup quarters with a very favourable fixture at home against Sunderland um, next month. Um, we're above Spurs, woohoo! St. Tottenham's Day, yay! We're going to take it uh, right now, and you know we we are we are in spitting distance points-wise, of the top four, which is, unfortunately, it's kind of become the holy grail again. And we're level on points in Manchester United. They have Cristiano Ronaldo, Pogba, uh, Rafael Varane. You know, this is a proper team with investment, albeit in monetary value. We did spend a lot of money in the summer, but we needed to because we needed to build the future. And now I'm feeling a bit more positive, and I have done that. I'm not sure if I said it last time or whether I'm just completely um, uh, kind of changing my tune. But I've always thought the squad has enough. There's a lot of young talent in there. There's some very good players who we could cash in on. But there's a core there that can work. Whether Arteta is the right manager long term depends on the consistency. In the past few weeks, he's been doing it. That's the consistency we need. You know, our last five results, win, win, draw, draw, win. That's pretty good. Um, But ultimately, it needs to happen over a significant half season period where we're competing and we need to be in that conversation again and you know for me I've been I've been saying it to a couple of people I want to go all out for that league cup because I think if by February Arteta can have won a trophy a trophy that for some reason we never win and maybe we have a chance now the City are out of it finally and it brings Europa League football which is kind of the minimum for us next year we don't want the conference. The Champions League might just be beyond this squad. I think it, it almost think it definitely is. But to get back in that so early and almost take the pressure off a little and allow the players to kind of, you know, conti- continue their evolution, their training to get better and better. I think that would be amazing. And so then you have that last kind of chunk of the season where there's a little bit less jeopardy. You know, it could go horribly wrong, but then you can say, right, OK, we've done what we need to do this season. Won a trophy. We've gotten to Europe. Abama Yang, you're not going to be here for long. Lacazette, you're not going to be here for long. Shaka, when he comes up for injury, sorry, mate, you're out. Let's start grooming some of these players. You know, bring back Aziz from loan. Shove Martinelli up front. If Eddie and Ketty or Balogun are going to have a chance, play them week in, week out. That's what we should have done last season when we knew or when we thought it was a write-off, albeit we were kind of getting close at the end. Um, so I'm feeling very positive, but I just worry I don't want to get caught um, carried away because I think... The Watford game on Sunday, I think we should be okay. Um, then we go away to Liverpool, which I'm almost saying, you know, 
it's a write-off. You know, Arteta teams didn't necessarily get battered until that City game early in the season, but that could be a battering based on their form, and I wouldn't begrudge him for that. And then it's Newcastle, Man United, Everton, Southampton, West Ham. It, it, you know, leads away. It starts to get a little tricky. And, um, you know, as we start the new year as well with City and Spurs, especially when Conte's had a bit of time, it could be a little bit worrying. So I think we need to just, uh, you know, keep our, I don't know, keep our hands in our pockets, just not get too carried away and excited. But also we can be optimistic. And as you said, you know, the performances of Ramsdale have been fantastic, blown away. Doesn't surprise me. I thought that no one's spending that money for no reason. They've seen something. And you know what? Everyone said it was expensive. When you look at the market, forget a goalkeeper, you couldn't get anyone for tw- that good for 25 million. So it, for me, he's already made his money back. Tommy Yasu looks decent. Um, Tierney's been injured, but Tavares looks de- uh, decent when he comes in. Gabriel and White seem to have a partnership going. Party Lekonga, it's almost like Party's mentoring Lekonga through to this double pivot. You know, the stunning Saka Smith Rowe. Um, a young talent up front is very exciting as well. I think there's a space up for grabs. Um, it feels like it's kind of Pepe, Abamyang can kind of go there up front. And uh, Martinelli as well. But, uh, you know, it's, at the moment it's Lacazette and Abamyang, And I think that's the right move to just go for it. Um, but it's looking good. It's looking good at the Emirates for now. But, yeah, I think caution to the wind I'm interested to see what you think from from your perspective because you mentioned you didn't see the game but you kind of got those vibes that there's been momentum there but I might I might have my uh, red tinted glasses on but I certainly feel that there's you know even the pundits when they start talking about it and even I think there was something in marker in um, in Spain the publication about Arteta's evolution and you know Pep's been backing him and saying they're getting better and better and this is this is what Arteta's third season now, albeit not full season. And uh, I think I've got to a point now where, I, where I'm thinking, you know, all my Arteta's ins and outs, and it could go very wrong, and I might be saying Arteta out in a few weeks. But I think the board probably have seen enough now, enough of these patches. And again, that FA Cup saved them his job. Um, that they'll probably think, again, let's take stock in the summer, see what happens, you know, see what happens with other clubs. Um, Either this is it, we're going to boom and these hot patches are going to become consistent and we'll get some better players in and we'll, you know, we'll keep on improving or it'll go bust and we'll need to do what Spurs do really and, and you know, maybe we'll bring in Pochettino ourselves. <laughs> so, yeah, again, back to you on, on your view on Arsenal because I've kind of, I, I, feel, I feel very positive. Well, it's interesting. I, I just Googled while you were speaking because you said about winning the League Cup and getting... Europa League qualification, but I'm, I'm sorry to break it to you, Jason, that actually now, if you win the League Cup, it's the Conference League that you're no. qualifying for. No. Uh, but, you know, that's that's still a step up from no Europe whatsoever, so that would be something, I suppose. You, you uh, completely burst my bubble. <laughs> I've been fake um, music a lot everywhere, so, uh, right, forget the League Cup, back to the uh, back to the FA Cup, our favourite trophy. <laughs> yeah, FA, FA Cup's the one to focus on. But yeah, it's funny, because I was looking back at our last two episode titles as well, and it went from in Arteta we rust to the names Arteta, Mikel Arteta. So there's definitely been, um, it does seem like uh, it's the hokey cokey with Arsenal, Arsenal fans and Arteta. It's in, out, in, out, uh, shake it all about. Um, but it does definitely seem like you've turned a corner. I think probably 
we did all overreact to those first three games. I say, you know, when you think back now, Spurs were top, Arsenal bottom, Nuno manager of the month. I mean, so much has changed since then. It's probably be a lesson to all of us not to read too much into three games, no matter how good or bad they may seem. You know, you probably, you were always, there was only, the only way was up for Arsenal. So there's always going to be uh, an improvement in results and in form. But I think the players you signed do seem to have settled well, Ramsdale and Tommy Asu in particular. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you can't argue with, with the results that you just spell out. I guess the question is whether you'll be able to be consistent enough over the course of the season to challenge that top four. And I guess I have, you know, I, I, I'm worried anytime I see Arsenal win, but it, it would be worrying if you start to put things together because I've rather enjoyed Arsenal being historically bad under Arteta. I mean, you know, having your worst league finishes for 20 odd years, no European football. I think that FA Cup has definitely done a lot to keep him in the job. But I think now maybe he's starting to justify some of the the faith and, and hype. But again, like you said, you, you don't want to get too carried away in the other direction. But I've, I have two questions for you, similar to the mm. questions you asked me. One is what your expectations are now. You kind of hinted at it already, but given this run of form and given the the good business it looks like you've done and the improvements you've made, what do you think now is a realistic expectation for for now to the end of the season? And secondly, if you put to one side the fact that we now know he's Spurs manager, if, if even a few days ago someone had said to you, offered you the chance to swap out Arteta for Conte, would you have taken it? Ah, very strong questions, Mr. Michael. Um, so, first question um, in terms of expectations, I think it's got to be getting back into Europe. I <laughs> know I'm backtracking slightly. Um, just get back into some sort of European football. I prefer Europa League if it's going to be conference or nothing. I have loved not having. Europe in a way, kind of, it's taken back some of my midweek nights. Um, but I think that just has to be an aim. A trophy would be amazing, but a bonus. I think for me, the expectation really is performances. I don't necessarily mind if, you know, there was a game, I think it was a year or two ago, maybe a year ago, and it was against Chelsea, I think, and we lost. But I was so proud of that team because of the way they performed. And I know. It goes against my attitude, and I go mad at Spurs fans, and they say, oh, we were brilliant, but we lost. And I'm like, well, that's a loser mentality. Um, but I kind of want to see that now. I want to see that this isn't a fluke, these kind of first halves against Spurs and this, these kind of patches. I want this to be the Arsenal way. And for me, this season is about getting the Arsenal DNA back and bringing pride back to the club. And I saw someone post the other day that they, as an away fan, have never felt connected as much to an Arsenal team with the kind of rapport and the way they act than since the Invincibles. So that is a pretty strong statement to make for an Arsenal fan. So I think they've got some good characters in there. They've got rid of a lot of Deadwood. um, And now is the time to capitalise on it. So I just want to see us have the strategy and identity. And yes, if, if it is this interim period where we're not in Europe, we're not winning trophies, that's okay if there's pride in the club. It's not okay when we don't turn up and we get battered and people do, don't look what they, like they want to be there. And for me, in January, it continues. I'm, I'm slightly disappointed with how Odegaard's been managed. I'm not sure whether he's just not... I think, I, I think the problem is that Emil Smith-Rowe 
and him are the same, essentially. But Odegaard is a more experienced version, even though he's almost the same age. Um, but I think what's happened is it was kind of meant to be Odegaard. Iliosar might have been uh, kind of a, an understudy, albeit as good season. But he's been so good, arguably our best player, that we can't drop him. So now Odegaard, they, can't, they haven't really been playing well together. Um, I hope he'll come back. But I think in January, we need to capitalise on it. We need, I'd argue, we need a striker and a bit more firepower, especially thinking towards the future. And I've heard a lot about Dominic Calvert-Lewin. I'm not sure whether he'd want to come. I'm not sure whether the money's there. But I think that's the sort of power move. We need, Arteta clearly knows what he's doing with young players. And it's, it's kind of like going back to the Wenger days, you know. If we can keep on buying these young players, improving them, bringing their value up, I think that's really important. And again, there's more players to leave. You know, Kolasinac certainly can't be here anymore. El Nene can't be here anymore. Eddie Nketa, arguably, deserves some time to go away. Leno certainly has to go now, unfortunately for him. Maitland-Niles, maybe he hasn't quite got onto it. So, yeah, I think that's my expectations. And I know it kind of, it kind of goes against my philosophy, but I think the more I think about it, the more I think we're not competing with these teams based on big players. And, you know, eventually these big players and big, you know, signings will win these games because they have special characters with, with talents greater than anyone else. You know, United will win these games and they're still up in the table because they have Cristiano Ronaldo, who even on his bad days is still better than most of the league. Um, and then in terms of the manager situation, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. If, 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 if Conte said, I want to come to Arsenal and the board sacked Arteta tomorrow, I wouldn't be upset at all. And I'd say, bring it on. You know, that's what I want. I did want that. And I've said that from the start. That I thought I mean, we needed, that was the move um, to bring in someone who could win us something. Um, but the reality is we're stuck where we are. But I think if it goes wrong with Arteta, and by wrong, I mean the next three months, we lose almost every game and the style goes again. And, you know, it becomes clear this is, the good stuff is, not a pat is not a pattern or or a kind of DNA. It's just a fluke. Then I want someone big because the young manager thing. I don't think there's any in terms of young manager. I mean, an ex-player kind of an experience. We would have tried that. I don't think I want a Graham Potter, Pochettino at Southampton type of move. I think I think it would be risky because I think it would almost be accepting that we are at a stage of mediocrity in our modern history. And I know you might say that with Arteta, but I think at the time we were still we were still pretty up there. We were still in the Europa League. And I think um, it, it was it was kind of a, a confidence move saying, oh, we're keeping it with family and it was young and we're going to give him the resources. Um, but I think it would, it would stink of average, anything else. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think the move would next time, whenever that may be, will be big manager and... To be honest, now I've seen Spurs get Conte, there's not really any excuses to not get a big manager like an Allegri or something because um, because it shows you can. If you, if, you get, if you tell them the right things and show them the right infrastructure, it seems like anyone can go anywhere. Um, speaking of which, I mean, it's a completely <laughs> side topic, but Unai Emery. It sounds I was like about to say. Yeah, the Newcastle job is imminent. And uh, wow, I mean... <laughs> Good, good for him. To be fair, well, that's very odd. He just won the Europa League, he's in the Champions League, and he's going to leave to Newcastle. I mean, I mean, yeah. 
I feel I feel like uh, Newcastle are almost skipping a step here. I feel like Emery's the the intermediate manager. I feel like they need you know in between the the Mark Hughes and the Mancini to use the Man City comparison. Yeah. I feel like you know he doesn't really have much experience of a of a relegation battle, which is what Newcastle are in. Let's make mm-hmm. you know no bones about it. They need someone to just keep them up. And then someone who can kind of push on and, and have them pushing the top six. You know, maybe Emery can do both of those things. But I feel like it's a big bit of a risk. Like you said, he's got a good thing going from Villarreal. I'm sure there's lots of money on offer and the potential there at Newcastle if he can be the guy to kind of take them all the way. Um, but they're in a real, real state. And the, the quality in that squad isn't that high. Um, so I think he's got a big job on his hands. I'm not big, entirely big sure. Big reunion with Joe Willock. Of course, yeah. He brought him through, so uh, that could be at the core. They, they have some talent. Callum Wilson, some maximum. There's If he gets a couple of signings in, you know, he's shown he's not a bad manager with Villarreal. Uh, At the start of his Arsenal career, he did well in terms of results. And he wasn't, you know, we weren't, we were bad, but we weren't where we are now in terms of position. So maybe maybe this is a chance for him to rebuild his uh, his reputation. Well, Newcastle Arsenal is definitely going to be um, a very interesting match to watch now. If he if he does end up there, he could be uh, obviously he denied Arsenal and Arteta a shot at the Europa League final. Maybe sure. somehow his Newcastle side will deny you European football yet again. Yeah, and I mean he does, in the big clubs, you know, the PSG and the Arsenal with the egos, it didn't quite work. But the the so called smaller clubs, um, Real and Sevilla, I suppose. Um, he, he's he's done a decent job. So that's what a lot of people say when he has the the big egos. He struggles, but that maybe this is the perfect job for him. And I think I think I think he deserves a shot of redemption because I think he was he was ridiculed, including by me, in terms of just his whole manner in which he took the Arsenal job. And I, I saw a video of him just kind of what's the word gesticulating on the touchline. I just thought, oh my god, why did we hire this guy after Bengo? It was such a rookie. It was such a moise move for United um, and uh, but I think he deserves a shot and I think I think for him it's it's a it's a bit like Conte in a way if it goes wrong well Newcastle are rubbish I'm they're not suited for English football they hate me anyway so <laughs> respect me um, if it goes right then he, then he's redeemed himself um, speaking of Moyes actually it's funny because someone said United probably should have kept a bit of patience with Moyes because look at him now huh well, yeah, exactly. And and you mentioned Moyes and, you know, like you said it didn't work out for United, but look at the job he's doing at West Ham and maybe it will be similar for Emery. Didn't work out at Arsenal, but could do a great job at Newcastle. I mean, we forget, you know, Moyes' Everton team were always in and around the top four. I think they did finish top four once, but they were always kind of pushing kind of fifth, sixth, and they were always a difficult team to play. They They all would get big results against the top sides. And I think if United had stuck with him, I mean, if they'd given Moyes anywhere near the same level of support they'd given Solskjaer, then I think you'd have to say that United would be in a better position than they are now. And if you look at the, the jobs Moyes took immediately after Man United, you know, he tried to reinvent himself abroad, went to Sociedad, but they're hardly a powerhouse in Spanish football. He went to Sunderland, who were an absolute mess at the time. And so I think people thought he was just done. But I think it goes to show how much it's about kind of the fit and being at the right club at the right time. And for West Ham, it seems to be he's managed to get in that club at, at the right time and it's been the right fit. It's been much more like it was for him at Everton. And it, it's got me thinking about the, you know, the Conte situation and 
about how it doesn't necessarily matter how good a manager you are. It's whether the club and the manager are a good fit for each other at that moment in time. So I think that will be the big question moving forward with Conte and Spurs is whether the the fit is right. Because clearly Moyes and West Ham is in the way that Moyes and United wasn't. Um, and, I, you know, I look at West Ham now and I see them as one of the biggest rivals for that top four place now, arguably even more so than United, because West Ham seems to have the kind of consistency and solidity and organisation that United don't, at least at the moment. If they if they do manage to get Pochettino, then it's, you know, all bets are off. Yeah, listen, anything's possible. We've seen Leicester win a league in our lifetime in this kind of money-dominated league. So why couldn't West Ham get a top four or... Even even Spurs or Arsenal, for that honest. Or even Spurs to to win the title under Conte, probably next season. This season's probably too much to ask, but you never know. It could be uh, this this could be it. Probably not, but uh, we can, has logged off. <laughs> we can dream. <laughs>